So the big question is, everybody has to look and has to ask themselves, how long am I willing to wait this out? You guys, you guys want to know the biggest reason why I think people fail in business is because they haven't even asked themselves that question. How long am I willing to wait out this, this investment, this debt? Three years, five years, 10, 20? How long are you willing to wait it out? You see, one of the things that I have really come to understand is that you have to be patiently aggressive. <laughs> like you have to be patiently aggressive. Or you can even say aggressively patient. And you have to figure out how patient can I be with this investment that I'm putting in. And you have to be honest with that answer. And I think if you can answer that, then you can know, okay, well, how much am I willing? We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Mr. Carborn Jr., and I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Paulo Chang. Paul, say what's up to the people. Yo, what up to the people? Hopefully, you guys are doing good. Um, really, 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 really happy to be here, to be alive. Life's good. It's warm outside. It's not snowing, at least where I'm at, so I can't complain, you know? Amen, amen. Life is good. So without further ado, you guys know how we like to rock. You know we love to bring you special guests. And of course, this week is no exception. With that being said, this episode is very, very special for me and Paul because we have one of our mentors who, man, he's just been so influential in, in our journeys as entrepreneurs. And it's just, it's amazing to finally have him on. We said when we started this podcast, we were like, you know what? We're not going to bring him on until we feel like we've built something. And uh, over 50 episodes later, we feel like we've built something. And we brought the guru in to drop some wealth secrets on you guys. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce our mentor, physical therapist, serial entrepreneur, complete boss, the man, the legend, the myth himself, Mr. Greg Todd. GT, what's up, man? How you feeling? Man, I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. As I said right before we started, um, I'm with two people that, ironically, I don't even know if you guys know this, you both met me at the same location for the first time. You both met me at the same location. And and I, I can remember our conversations that I had with each of you. One longer conversation than the other. One watched me, one listened to me. Paul watched me in action. Carl, you listened to me in that massage room at my clinic. Paul was watching me go through my day, switching hats from coach to physical therapist to 
dealing with things as a manager to entrepreneur to dealing with my partners. And he just watched me without even saying anything to me. I think we might've said five words that day. And that day left a lasting impact on your life. Right. And, and Carl that day, we had a lot of conversations. I actually like X'd off my day for this cat. Didn't know much about him. And then he told me his story and I fell in love with him from there. Joseph's actually said, Hey, can I bring him down to your place down by Indian shores? I said, yeah, you could bring him there. Yeah. Let him taste it a little bit. <laughs> Cause I fell in love with the both of you. So, so, so anyways, I say all that to just tell you, uh, I'm blessed to be here. Uh, just love what you guys have done. And uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's get the show on the road. Let's get it. Let's get it. Much love GT. So, you know, we like to be respectful of our guest time. With that being said, we're going to dive right into it. Off the bat, we're going to ask you, because we got to start with the why, and then we'll go on from there. But just right off the bat, tell us, why did you even choose to pursue the field of physical therapy? My mother uh, is a medical transcriptionist for an orthopedic surgeon, or she was uh, when I was in high school. Uh, and my mother and I have a very close relationship, still have a very close relationship to this day. And, um, and there was times that like my mom would have other obligations, you know, of going to watch my brother's baseball games or, you know, you know, going here, going there, just everything that moms do, you know, they're just so amazing. And she would let me do her work. <laughs> like I, I learned how to type. In seventh grade, I went to summer school and learned, I did a typing course. Uh, I helped my mom get through medical uh, terminology program. And, 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 and I was learning this stuff as I was quizzing my mom back in the sixth, seventh grade. And, and I got to the point where I could actually do the transcription. So I don't know if y'all know, but it's basically the person that, you know, when the doctor dictates into the mic and then he takes the, the tape, the, the tape used to go to somebody like my mom and she would transcribe it. So times that my mom needed to go and take care of my brothers or whatever, I would do her work. And I fell in love with, with medicine at that point. Now here, now here's the interesting thing. When I was a senior in high school, uh, my mom set up a meeting for me to meet this orthopedic surgeon that she worked for. His name is Dr. Paul Hindenburg. And at that point I thought I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon because I liked what that work that man was doing. And he told me, don't do it. You want to know so crazy, you guys? The reason why he said not to do it is because even though he might have been okay financially, um, there was a lot of other parts of his life that weren't okay. So here's what he said to me. He said, don't do it. I mean, you guys, when I tell you, it's like deflating my lungs. It was like, what? Dude's like, don't do it. It's like, I don't even, I'm on my third wife. One of my kids is getting married next week and I don't even know her husband's name. And he, he was just in a pissy mood that day. And he said, do what those people do. And he pointed to, he, he had physical therapists at his, at his office as well. So he pointed to them. And that honestly is a story. Now, I know that's not a great story, but that is the true story. And it's so funny because I think of that man today. And I think, wow, this dude had money, but this dude still wasn't happy. Hmm. And it's so funny because when I think about my journey as a physical therapist, you know, I think that all the, the only reason why I met the two of you and all the people that you all are affiliated with was because I actually was just like that guy. I ended up becoming just like that guy. 
I didn't make it. I probably wasn't making as much money as him, but I was making a decent living. I was paying my bills, but I still wasn't happy. I wasn't happy because I hadn't figured out the other things. I hadn't figured out how to get at my time to actually uh, take care of the people around me and invest in other things besides just my career. So it's so funny that I, I literally, as I'm t- telling y'all that, I'm just putting the pieces together. <laughs> I literally am just putting a piece of it. Like, oh my God, the same thing that cat was complaining about was the same thing I was complaining about seven years later. And it's the only reason why all these other things are created. It's because of my displeasure for my situation. And then me being on this quest to find the solutions to that situation. And without that, I would have never met the two of you. Who knows? Maybe we didn't even have this podcast. That's real. Um, you know, to the listeners, that's Carl and I, we never would have met each other if we didn't meet Greg. Um, and we always talk about the fact that we're in business together. We're seeing all the success and a lot of like what we're doing currently is literally aligned right back to what GT did in his life. Right. Um, we spend a lot of time, you know, trying to teach our audience how to grow a business, how to be able to scale some stuff. But I think for the first time ever, we're going to be on the back end of it of having someone who's been able to perfect that level of success over and over and over whatever success is defined as for, you know, different people. So now we have to start, you know, asking on the back end of that. Okay. Once you've been able to grow your business, once you've been able to see multiple six figures, multiple seven figures, right? Some of y'all like thinking multiple eight figures. Cool. Once you've been able to do that, how do you start to fill that, that new role when you're like now in that, new part of your life. Now you're not really focused on like, how fast can I grow this business over and over and over and over? Now just how do you maintain somebody who has so many hats and each hat you're wearing requires something that's like doing super, super well and requires a lot of your time. How do you grow into that new role? Oh, you you know what? I would say this, Paul, I'd actually, I'm going to reframe that a little bit. I would say, I hope you don't have to grow into that new role. I hope that you... Um, you take care of those other things along the way to grow into the six to the seven to the eight. You see, I look at someone like Dr. Hindenburg, right? Let, let's go back to him for a second. Dr. Hindenburg spent all of his time, his energy and his efforts on becoming the best orthopedic surgeon he could be. And on his path to doing that, he neglected spending his energy and his effort and his time on becoming the best husband he should be. Now, no disrespect. I think Dr. Hindenburg has passed, but no disrespect to him. But, but this is just from the feeling that I got from when I had that conversation with him. He didn't spend a lot of his energy and his effort and his time on becoming the best parent he needed to be. And, you know, look, if you look at so many of the greats in anything, whether it's music, it's, you know, Michael Jackson, it's Prince, it's Kobe, it's MJ, it's like whatever. You know, the greats, a lot of times, like, are so great at this one thing that the other areas we don't really want to talk about because those areas get neglected. doesn't happen for everyone. I personally didn't want that. So the truth of the matter is, is that as I have grown these businesses, I've also put a certain amount of priority on the other things that I knew that I said I was allegedly growing the businesses for. So when I got to six, seven figures in my business. I've never hit eight, but multi seven figures in in different businesses. Um, And now, even as I've scaled back a bit, I I didn't have to become anybody new. 
like those people still wanted me. What I find so sad is I find sad that a lot of people put all this, like they say, I'm getting into business so I can get more time. Why, why do you want to get more time? So I could spend with my spouse or I could spend with my girlfriend. I could spend with my kids or whatever. And they grind so hard and they put on blinders through the entire journey. And then they get to their pinnacle. They get to their mountaintop and they look to their left and they look to their right and there's nobody there. So I would reframe that by saying, make sure you don't do that. (laughs) Make sure that you don't have to then morph into something new. Because as you're going up, like as you're going up the mountaintop, you're going to create the identity of a mountain climber. See, I want to be a mountain climber that also is a parent, (laughs) that also has his wife by his side. I'm a husband. My identity as a husband, my identity as a parent, my identity as a child of God, my identity also as a mountain climber and entrepreneur. Cool. Now when I get to the top, I'm at the top, but I'm still a parent. I'm still a husband. I'm still a child of God. And then the transition is not that hard. I think a lot of people fail to do that. Now, what I will tell you is this. I will tell you that if you do that, then you'll start to ask yourself different questions. Because there's a, there's a lot of times where, where we will say, okay, like I want to hit seven figures in my business. And we forget the fact that we have a girlfriend. We forget the fact that we have a boyfriend. We forget the fact that we have a spouse. We forget the fact that we have, you know, kids. And because of that, then we just say, yo, I want to hit seven figures in my business or six figures in my business, uh, whatever it takes. But see, if we can remember the fact that we have a kid, remember the fact that we have a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse, whatever, then we could be like, okay, I want to hit seven figures in my business, but I want to be able to do that while still investing plenty of time into those things. Now you're going to ask different questions. And now I think you're going to be able to innovate and do things at a higher level. That's what happened to me. GT, with that being said, and, and being able to discuss going through the different levels, I think for us, it's, it's very important, especially on this episode, because of the fact that we have you on the episode, being able to make sure that we go in the direction of what it looks like to build long-term, you know, because I think, I think we've had a lot of guests that are very successful and they have built whatever platform or whatever business, you know, but you've essentially built an empire of sorts. And with an empire comes wealth. And so the next question that I want to ask you pertaining to that is for you, how would you define being rich versus being wealthy? Oh boy. Well, I, I think wealth is, I think wealth is, uh, is, it can be defined in many different ways, but I would say uh, the, 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 the simplest you know, definition is the amount of money that you make over a period of time. Okay. And, and, and so, and so if you think about it, and like, and let's just use, let's just use the, the, the money definition for a second. Okay. I think we can like, like we can say uh, the amount of cultivated relationships you have over a period of time. That's a, that's, re- that's relational wealth. Monetary wealth is the amount of money you make over a period of time. Maybe we could say, um, 
you know, I am wealthy in my health, right? Health is wealth. You guys hear that all the time, right? Okay. That's the, that's the, that's a quality of your health over a period of time. I think there's a key component to anything that is wealth and that is what you're able to do over a period of time. So let's talk about that. A million dollars. Would you guys say that that is, um, that like er earning a million dollars makes you rich? I mean, what would you say? I'm just asking you. Just asking. Yeah, I would say that. Rich. Yeah. Okay. I would, I would that. Cool. All right. So the question is, does a million dollars make you wealthy? Okay. See, because it could, but it couldn't. For instance, if I make a million dollars and I make a million dollars over the course of a 50-year career, well, what is that a year? That's $20,000 per year. $1 million at the top over 50 years does not make me rich. So that wealth, that, that's, that's, that's a lower wealth, doesn't make you rich. A million dollars over a year, would we say that makes you rich? In the form of monetary rich? Sure, we can say that. Okay, cool. A million dollars over a day, <laughs> like would you say that, that makes, okay. So wealth is whatever the asset is over a period of time. That's a difference to me with regards to wealth. It's my health over a period of time, okay? This person is, if I see someone like my mother who really has done very well, my mom's about to be 70 next week. I say my mom has had a very wealthy health life, okay? You have some people, unfortunately, where they're in their 20s and they've had tons of health problems. Okay, maybe not the case. So I think wealth needs to be looked at over whatever it is, the, the thing at the top, money, health, relationships, growth in your life, contribution over a period of time. And I think being rich is just how much of that thing do you have, okay? I'm rich in my health. I'm rich in my money. I'm rich in this. I'm rich in that. So that's how I, you know, delineate the two. No, that's actually um, on point. And I'm glad you defined it as being rich, which is how much you have of that, but wealth is how much you um, grow it over time. Kind of bringing you back to the concept of building wealth, right? And I think in, you can answer this however you'd like. Um, I just want the listeners to know that this is not necessarily just in a monetary sense, but when you think about building wealth, right? And then redistributing that wealth, what would be your top three avenues and how to reinvest that wealth? How to reinvest it? Yeah. Uh, I would say uh, you can reinvest it in people. <laughs> I think that's, that's number one. Uh, I would say reinvest it in, uh, in your community is number two. And then, uh, you know, there is the long-term, which is reinvesting it in uh, the society uh, that we're in. So, I'll kind of go through each of them, if you don't mind. Um, you know, when I say reinvest in people, so when I make money, I know that the fastest way for me, I'm just using the money, you know, just right now as an example, okay? I'm assuming y'all want to be get paid. So I'm assuming your, your listeners want to get paid. So, so here's the deal. Uh, the fastest way for you to be able to grow your money um, is by reinvesting it back into 
um, other people that can help you along the path of fulfilling out whatever goals, dreams, aspirations you all are trying to accomplish with the endeavor that you have going on. For instance, you all have a business, you have an agency, right? If you want your agency to be able to grow, um, you're going to have to grow a team. Like that's the fastest way for you to be able to, to amplify what you all are doing. You're going to have to have more people getting on calls. So people are going to have to have more people implementing the things that you're trying to do for customers, et cetera, et cetera. That's the fastest way for you to be able to actually attain um, increased wealth, which is making a certain amount of whatever the resource is over a period of time. Okay. It's the fastest way for you to do that. You know, I, I've had days where I've made, um, you know, six figures in a day. I, I've had actually a day where I've made seven figures in a day. Okay. And that only happens when there is people. Okay. I can't do that in the stock market. It's, it's very, really like, I mean, unless you're Warren Buffett, you know what I mean? Right. But, but that's really the way that you do it. That's people. Okay. Now, are, is that the only thing? Is it just about making lots of money and that's it? No, for me, I'm at a point where I want to have generational legacy, not just for myself, but for my family. Um, and I want to be able to reinvest money back into my community. Now, am I expecting that to necessarily grow from a monetary standpoint? No. But I'm, you know, I know that there are many communities out there uh, that um, have not been as fortunate as, as, as I have been. And I want to be able to invest back in my people. I want to be able to invest back in um, things that are near and dear to me so that people can get opportunities moving forward uh, that maybe, um, maybe would not be available to them. 20, 30 years prior. Okay. So that to me is a important way of redistributing. Um, and then number three is investing back into society. Uh, and, and that is like, what is going on right now in society and looking at, okay, where are the problems for every single problem? There is a corresponding solution. Who holds a solution? Let me go and invest in those companies right now. If, 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 if you were smart enough you knew that uh, every single pharmaceutical company out there that was the top dogs, <laughs> like when this thing was starting to go down, you knew that those companies were, were about to blow up even more, right? And if, you, if, if I'm just looking at society and I'm looking at what's going on, I know Moderna, I know Pfizer, I know their stocks are about to go up. Like I know that that um, there's just certain businesses that are going, are, are thriving right now. There are certain businesses. And to be honest with you, the stock market is at a high, a, 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 a total high. Why? Because these are entrepreneurs and these are entrepreneurs that always find ways to win. And they can shift faster than anybody else because they have more money than everybody else. So I don't necessarily have their companies, but I can invest. It's called investing in society. Just knowing what's the normal thing in society. Society has problems. We know that's always going to happen. Society has also got solutions. Who's got the solutions? Can I invest in your company? Those are my three ways. Now, GT, this, this next question is more so centered around, so from an aspect of wealth accumulation and also still 
staying along the lines of, of that redistribution. For you, how much profit would you say a business should net before thinking about being able to take that profit and then being able to redistribute it into building something else? Oh, geez. Oh, Carl, I, I think that that's a different answer um, for so many different people. I, I can only say for myself, okay? Because I don't think that there's a one-size-fits-all answer with that. Um, there are certain, um, I don't know if you want to say ethics, morals, but there's a code that I've always lived by, right? And, uh, you know, you guys have been students of mine and, and continue to be students of mine. And uh, you know that I, I base a lot of my stuff off of just biblical you know, principles, right? And for me, um, even when I was broke at the age of 16, got my first job at TJ Maxx, my first official job. I used to work under the table, okay, at this Chinese restaurant off of Pines Boulevard and Flamingo Road. But, and then I used to work at this, I used to be a, a salesperson for a newspaper. But ain't, look, I couldn't tithe on that because I only made $11 in two weeks, all right? Okay, <laughs> but- since I've had my first job making what three twenty five an hour at TJ Maxx, I've I've always given ten percent. Okay, now <laughs> if you, if if we go off of that, homeboy was making like fifty dollars a week, and I was giving five dollars back to the church. Okay, but again, that's just off. That's just my my thing, right? So if you go off of what I've done, I've given before I even had. Okay. Uh, what I can tell you is that because I got into that habit of giving and always giving a percentage of my income back, understanding that I do not believe that with my abilities, with my talents, that I should even be afforded these opportunities, that there has to be some type of higher power that is looking out for me and giving me the ability to even be in this country. I'm going to say, you know what? Higher power, continue to work in my favor and thank you so much for what you've done for me already. But look, everybody don't roll like that, but that's how I roll. What I have come to realize is that it was a hell of a lot easier to give the $5 from that $50 pot than it is to be given what I'm giving now from the pot that I got going on now. Either way, it's been a decision that I've made. And if we go off of that, then like that answer... <sighs> You know, for me, it's like you get you give from from right now. To be honest with you, if you're dead broke, you should be giving more right now. Like if you're wealthy and you live every single day in anxiety that you're going to lose your wealth, you should probably be giving more. Because you think you have too much to do with it. So. So I, I don't have an answer for you. I don't have a 5%, a 10%, a 20% of this or that. I've always given. I, I'm also, you know, around a family. Remember now, we're, we're an immigrant, you know, family. And, you know, my, my wife's grandmother recently, you know, passed away. They've never had money. Those are some of the most giving people I've ever been around. My mom is not some, you know, rich lady. You know, my mom is one of the most giving people. My mom gives more for birthdays and for Christmas, I, st I still don't know how my mom be giving my kids 50, 100, $150. I was like, my mom don't work. Where'd she get this money? It, wait, it must be the money we're getting. Like, like me and my brother, like we're giving her money. I think she was giving the money back to the kids. Like, li li hey, listen, listen, you just have to make a decision from now if you're going to let money be your master or not. 
I have just made a decision that it's not going to be. Money is just a tool. It is a tool like a hammer. I could use the hammer for bad and bash somebody over their head. I'm probably going to go to jail. Or I can use the hammer for good and put nails on the wall and put up masterpieces. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to try to hoard over that hammer and say, nobody took, nobody took my hammer. L -l Listen, every single thing that I have been blessed with was not created by me. I believe God ordained our first meeting, Carl. I believe God ordained the first time for Paul to even come down. When you hear Paul's story of him coming down from Michigan, it, it's, it's miraculous. It wasn't even meant to be. It wasn't even meant to be. He, he was, he, he was kind of on the struggle bus a little bit. Am I right, Paul? Right? And he came down just to go hang out with his boy. He, he wasn't even supposed to meet me. See, I, see I, I want more miracles like that happening in my life. So I want to just like, just say, Lord, please allow the miracles to happen. I'm not that good. There you go. So in terms of, because I mean, come on, we, we, we got to talk to our PT people. So uh, matter of fact, healthcare, because we're, we're smart success healthcare now. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, for those that are in the healthcare industry and they're thinking about being able to open up multiple clinics, you know, I know the previous question you said, it's not a one size fits all. So this one is more for you. What did you do? So for those people who want to build multiple clinics or open up multiple clinics, excuse me, how much profit did you have before you decided to say, okay, now let's take this and let's open up another location. Okay. All right. So that is between 25 to 30%. But please understand that that's for, it, it's depending on the business. Now for traditional clinics, your expenses might be different. But if you can be at a 25 to 30% margin, here's how I handle it. But you know what? Let's make it 20% ju just to simplify it even more, okay? Of the 20%, I take 10% and 10% goes back to me. Well done, good and faithful GT. All right, good, okay? That's mine, right? Like I told you all some of the little purchases that I've made. Why did I make those purchases? It's the end of the year. I've done good. Cool. And every single time, like every single little thing, whatever thing that we do, we have a nice Christmas. We have this, we have that. These things are at the end of the year. Yo, if Christmas is in the middle of a quarter ain't nobody in my family getting nothing. But at the end of the year though, look, we look back. Accounts like, yo, <laughs> you got to take this out. Well done. Good and faithful GT. All right, cool. All right, great. Now, if you are a business at the end of every single quarter, at least this is how I train my clients. If I'm at 20%, 10% is going back to me, okay? Then I'm taking the other 10%. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. When I say other, and it's 50%, okay? It's 20% profits. Of the 20, 10% of those profits is going back to me. The other half is what I'm using to now put into a kitty for business growth. Now, what does that look like? If you've got a clinic and 20% uh, uh, profits for you over a quarter is $2,000, not $200,000, well, 
you know, the, it's going to look different. That means $1,000 is going to be going into your kitty. If you're making $200,000 in profits a quarter, that means $100,000 is going to go into your kitty for your business. So now you're like, oh my gosh, I want to go ahead. I want to open up another clinic. I want to open up two clinics. I want to open up, you know, three clinics. Well, now we just got to look. Like right now, lots of commercial buildings throughout the United States, um, you're getting a massive discount. Interest rates are at an all-time low, right? So if you are looking to grow and you can make your clinics profitable like right now, this is the greatest time to grow. So then you might, you might want to be a little bit more aggressive with saying, hey, you know what? You know, let's, let's go ahead and let's do this thing. Um, and then you got to figure out, like, what does it cost for you to be able to open up a facility? Is it first, last month? How much equipment you're going to need? This, that, payroll. You have three to six months worth of, you know, expenses, et cetera, et cetera. So, look, that number varies for everyone depending on their location, you know, supply and demand with the market of physical therapists, physical therapist assistants, et cetera. Uh, but that's kind of how I do it. Um, I Listen, I think one of the biggest things that, that people don't do is they just don't enjoy their journey on the climb. And they're like, oh, like, uh, you know, I don't know if it's Gary Vee. I, don't, I can't remember which entrepreneur said this. Like, I take all my money, I reinvest it back. But look, if that makes you so happy, then great. But as I said, on my climb, I got my wife here. I got my kids over here. Like, that's not, no, uh-uh, hell no. We are going to have fun. We're going to Jamaica, baby. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yo, we're going, yo, we're going to the UK. We're going to go have something. Well, when this corona can go, yo, we're going to UK. Yo, we're going to France. We're going to go see the Alpha Tower kids, right? So, like, you know, and so not everybody's going to roll the way that I roll, but, but I'll tell you right now, you get to that mountaintop, I was able to look over. My key people still there. If I go down and I fall off the mountaintop, which has happened, I look over. My key people still there. I actually want to ask you a follow-up question. Because um, funny enough, Carl and I were just talking about this um, before we, we got on this episode. Um, but it's just that concept of reinvesting back into the business. So... I asked it, you know, because I'm kind of the same way. I'm just like, look, I don't know if it's like a badge of honor. You know, we just recently got on that whole clubhouse thing. And I hear people on clubhouse constantly talk about, I made this, 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 and I reinvested it all. I'm like, how do you eat? Like, how do you enjoy yourself? How do you live at a place where you're happy? So the, the question I have is just about like, when it comes to that kind of mindset, because I think people get so caught up in the grind that just level of happiness doesn't exist. So when it comes to like just that whole reinvesting completely and totality into your business, where do you think people kind of grab that idea that if you do that, that's how you're going to be successful? Uh, is it that they believe that's how they're going to be successful or is it that their whole identity is tied up into them being an entrepreneur? You see, here's the deal. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and let's get to the nitty gritty now. For those of you that made it to this part of the podcast, it's about to get real. So <clears throat> the deal is this. The deal is, is that most people 
The reason why they're saying that is because they are totally tied up. Their entire identity is tied up into them being an entrepreneur. Now, who's the more hardcore entrepreneur? The guy or gal that invests 100% of their profits back into the business or the kind of soft one like me that takes 50% of it and enjoys it and 50% of it and invests back into the business or the super soft one that's like, yo, business is doing just fine. I'm good. Let me take 80 to 100% of this and go enjoy life. Who's the greater entrepreneur? I don't know. It all depends on where your identity is. See, I believe that the greater entrepreneur I think most people would say, oh, it's the one that is hardcore and investing all of it back into the business. Why? Because they hear other influencers say, put it all back in the business, da, 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 right? Like, look, at the end of the day, I think there's a bigger issue, Paul. I think the bigger issue is that uh, people have their identity tied up into one thing. Here's what I do know off of being an entrepreneur for the last nearly 17 years. What I do know is I know that there's ups and there's downs. What I do know is that uh, you can be on top today and you could be totally down tomorrow. It's no different than the entertainment industry or any other industry, right? You're one play away. You're one decision away from it going down a little bit. You're also one play away and a couple of decisions away from it totally going away. March, March 4th of 2020, most people were straight. By April 1st of 2020, so many people were out of business. It literally happened in three weeks. Things that people have worked 30 years for. Now, I, I think, you know, it's, th th this is unfortunate, but there are people that are no longer here with us and committed suicide because they lost their business. Did they commit suicide because they lost their business? Well, they're, they're, I think the ones that did, and it's unfortunate, but I think that those people had their entire identity into them being an entrepreneur. You know, I've, I've haven't had the greatest year this year. I haven't had the worst year neither. I've been doing all right. But I think for me, it's been one of the best years of my life. It's been, and, and I've had people, I've had family members die from COVID. I've had, I've had a lot of things, you know, happen. But I, I think the reason why I've been able to manage things well is because my entire identity is not in being a mentor or in being an entrepreneur or in having this or like that. That's, that's not my total identity. You know, my identities and many other things. That's just one little part of who I am. So, um, so, I, so I, you know, it's, I know this is a long answer to your question, but I would just say, you know, listen, you want to be smart and you want to be, uh, you know, you know, mindful about what you're doing in your business. Um, but you, you have to always ask yourself, why the hell are you doing the things that you're doing? Are you investing all of it back in the business? Because you want to be considered a hardcore entrepreneur? Okay, that's fine. You, I mean, you do you. Um, but I, I feel sorry for you if the business tanks because that's who you are. You are the business. I am not my businesses. I love my students, but I'm not just a mentor. Like I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm also just this regular guy named Greg. Right? Like, like I'm a son. I, I'm a brother to my two other brothers. I'm a child of God. I'm a hell of a lot more than an entrepreneur. It's just one part of who I am. So because of that, because I, I'm not attached to that, like, I want to serve all those things around me.
So it does not make sense for me to invest all of it back into the business. And you know what? And for that matter, it didn't make sense for me to invest all back in the business when I didn't have it. It's never made sense to me. You, you know, one other thing I want to say about this, because my wife's not an entrepreneur. My kids are not entrepreneurs. My mother's not an entrepreneur. So how is it that they are going to want to continue to support me when I'm investing every single thing back into my business, everything, and I'm not giving them any type of candy from the lots of my work? I'm actually telling them they don't matter. So that's why that don't make no damn sense to me if you really want to honor the people around you. It don't make no sense. That's how I keep them on board. Damn. We, yo, we weren't able to do this before. All right, keep on grinding. By the way, I want y'all to know this. We, like, when we were paying off our loans or student loans, this and that, whatever, we never took, vac- we, did, we did very few, vac- it was more like, from Tampa to, you know, Orlando, right? It's like a, like a Disney day, you know, type of thing, right? Okay. And then, but, but, but we all, we always did stuff, right? Whether it was once a year or twice a year, then it got to three times a year. Then we started saying, okay, cool. We're going to do every quarter. Then we're going to do every month, right? Y'all, man, I just want to keep it real of how it really worked, but we always did something right? And, and made a goal. Okay, instead of once a year, let's see if we can do twice a year. Instead of twice a year, let's see if we can do it three times a year. Instead of three times a year, let's see if we can do four times a year. Then we got to once a month. And then when we got to once a month, we're like, yo, it just makes sense to take it to another level, just get a place down here. So we could do it every weekend. And that's how I got this. And then after that, I was like, okay, shoot, yo, we need this every day. That's how I did it. So I'm sorry. I know a lot of people, entrepreneurs probably listen. It's like, wow, that's really reckless. Well, that's really reckless that he does that. You know, well, listen, you will be known by your fruit. You can look at my fruit. And I'm not talking about my bank account. I'm talking about the people around me. My bride will be 20 years. Y'all, y'all, you guys, we've been married now. March 31st will be 20 years. 20 years we're going to be married for. And, um, you know. Congrats. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. You know, so look, man, you, you'll be known by your fruits, you know. Uh, you know, it's not, I'm not saying my kids don't have problems. My wife don't have problems. But I know this. I know that there's a lot of love in that house. And I believe it's because of the way I did it. I didn't take all my, my profits and put it back into the business over and over and over again. Now. You can look at somebody else and they do it a totally different way. And they actually might be more successful than me from a money standpoint. But for me, it's like, whatever, it just doesn't, it's, that's totally, and by the way, it's totally fine. It's just, I'm on the podcast today. So you're asking me, so I'm gonna tell you how I did. <laughs> we wouldn't expect anything else, GT. Um, so you mentioned, you mentioned the loans just now and that was perfect because that was actually something that I wanted to bring up Uh, again, you know, keeping it very, not one size fits all, but just your perception or your belief on things. Speaking about that identity and how people can essentially get caught up in the identity as just being an entrepreneur, just being this, just being that. I think speaking from the standpoint of a student right now, I think that, there are a lot of 
people, especially classmates that I've spoken to that their identity right now is kind of enveloped in their student loans. Mm -hmm. And with that, you know, all they think about is their loans. When I get out of school, I got to pay my loans. I got to pay my loans. I got to take care of my loans before I do anything. And so the question that I want to ask you for people who are dealing with student loans, but they have a desire to build a business or they have a desire to start moving towards financially being rich and financially being wealthy, what would your advice be as far as being able to manage paying student loans, but also building a business? Do you think there is a pay off all your loans and then start a business? Or do you think there's more build your business and funnel that away to pay off your loans? What would be your advice as far as that goes? Okay. So I think there's a couple things, Carl. I think number one is um, for those people that have the desire to be an entrepreneur. Okay. I'm going to answer the question for them. They have a desire to be an entrepreneur, but they have lots of loans or student loans. The first thing they actually have to do is they have to really work on changing their mindset from having the poor person's mindset to having a wealth mindset. That's the first thing they have to do. And here's the poor person's mindset. The poor person believes that money is only there to pay bills. The wealthy person's mindset is that it's not just to pay bills. Money is there to allow me to impregnate the money so that the money can make more money. So, I, so, 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 so let me explain this. Every single time that I go into debt, I understand that my debt is all investments. Because if you, and, and by the way, if you don't look at it like this, can you still build a, build a business? You can, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to take you 10 times longer. So if you change your mindset to that, then those people will no longer look at their debt from school as, oh my gosh, this is an obligation. And remember, my only existence on this earth is just to pay off bills because that's a poor per- By the way, that's a mindset I had too, okay? Um, but that's how they're looking at it. And if they're looking at it that way, they're like, okay, what is the way that I can, my, my primary objective is to pay this off and to pay this off as soon and as fast as possible. So what are they going to do? They're going to go for the safe option, always. They're going to take the job that's either going to forgive them for their loans or they're going to take the job that is stable money, da, 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 da. And they're going to be kind of sucked in and that's it. And it's going to take them forever. It's going to take them a very, very, very long time. Okay. Or you could do it. And, and, and by the way, that, that is an option. I've worked with enough people that it has worked. It's taken like 15 years, but it does work. Then there's the other option to saying, okay, every single time I go into debt, um, I understand that that debt is an investment. And without me going into $150,000, $200,000, whatever debt that is, I couldn't even play in the game of being a PT. Now I can play in that game. Okay, but now I might have to go into even more debt in order to accelerate winning at that game at an extremely high level. Okay, see, that's something that I get 
It's something I understand. I'll, I'll tell you for my business, I took out a $100,000 loan. And at that $100,000, I spent 65,000 of it, 65, 70, I think, to open up the clinic. And then I took the other, I took 20,000 of it and I put it into this Forex um, thing that ended up being a Ponzi scheme. And then I ended up taking 10 that was left um, and got another loan for, I think, 20,000 more. And I put it into an investment property. And I'll be honest with y'all, the Forex trading one was a scheme. I, I lost that 20,000 straight, get a straight up. Okay. The other, so it's, so call it 120 that I totally, you know, took out the other 30,000 that I did for an investment property in Riverview. Um, I'm sorry. in in, in, in Brandon, in Brandon, um, uh, that one, I ended up like short sailing. So I lost on that too, but the other investment I made, I don't know, nine million. Then I, I yeah, pay back all the money and more. Changed my life. <laughs> so, but this, but but the but the difference is the difference is is that I looked at the debt in that way, where so many people are so crippled by debt. Now there's a dude that lives down the street. If you guys um, and and I've. I've become friends with this guy. Not like great. I don't want to say like great friends, whatever, but he's, he's an interesting character and he's got a pretty big YouTube channel. His name is Ben Mala. Okay. So, um, so he lives just down the road from me. And when I'm running sometimes in the morning, he'll be outside as well. And I told him one day I stopped him. I was like, man, I love your YouTube channel. Da, 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 da. And we met a couple more times. And now sometimes he'll like invite me over to watch sunsets. He's got like this massive house here, like right over here in, uh, in, in Bel Air beach. Right. Um, and I was asking him some questions about how he does real estate. He, he owns $250 million worth of real estate. By the way, he, he's, he's not doing great right now. Okay. I mean, much better than all of us, but with everything, you know, going on, but he looks at it different. He's like, I have a different view of debt. He's like, I go into properties. I don't pay off properties. I go into as little as possible. I pay as little as possible on properties. I get people into properties to pay me more than what I'm paying. I start to pay down and build equity in those properties. And then I flip them and I flip them again and I flip them again and I flip them again. And he's worked $250 million in real estate, but he's probably got like $180 million worth of debt. Most people couldn't do it. Why are they not as smart as Ben Bala? No, they're plenty smart. They just haven't wrapped their mind around being in that much amount of debt. But this man has $70 million recurring that's cash flow to him every single year for him to have the nicest house in Bel Air Beach with a freaking lazy river and a two bowling alleys in his house. It's just because he's more comfortable with debt than everybody else. So I hope that answers your question. But that's the first thing that you have to do. You have to get comfortable with that, I'm not saying to go into necessarily more debt. I'm just saying for you to reframe how you look at debt. Debt is an investment. Now, if you're going in debt for a Tesla or for a car or whatever, well, that's stupid. But if you're going into debt to actually elevate yourself, you just have to say, hey, the amount of debt that I went in to elevate myself, can I make that back? 
And can I actually create wealth, meaning I can make more money over a shortened period of time? Yeah, I can, but can you do it better? Okay, how do I do it better? Okay, go into more debt to go figure out how to do it better. And then boom, 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 boom. And then you knock out all the debt. I actually had a question on the back end of that when it comes to taking on debt. I think for a lot of people, at least the healthcare community, right? When people think about having debt, right? It's going back to student loans. They're thinking about, I got to pay this, pay that, pay this, pay that. But um, something that, and especially like in our business, because we're thinking about, you know, doing all kinds of crazy things in 2021. But we, we realize that the concept of taking on debt, usually done correctly is a good thing. But I think the thing people don't know or understand is how much of it should like I personally take on, right? So for example, say um, we come to the bank of GT and we tell you, hey, um, we want to buy like nine apartment complexes, right? And the total cost of it's going to be, I don't know, 150 million, whatever. And then you're like, okay, cool. You know, how much do you need? Yada, 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 boom, 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 right? If somebody's like in a scenario where they need to take on debt to be able to build, how does somebody determine how much is actually what they should take? Because I know like a financial institution could be like, you can qualify for a hundred, whatever. Right. How much of it should he actually say yes to? I, I, think, I think it comes down to how, what's your projections of how you can make the money over what period of time and what you're comfortable with. Here, I'll, here, I'll give you this, I'll give you this example. Um, in 1994, uh, Jeff Bezos, you girl, you've heard that I got before? You guys know him? Okay. So Jeff Bezos uh, was trying to rack up $2 million because he wanted $2 million to invest in creating this online bookstore. And, um, and the first thing he tried to do is to see if he can get somebody to give him the $2 million. And everybody said no. And the next thing he did, uh, which actually worked, is he said, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to see if I can get 50 people to give me $40,000. And over the next two years, he was able to, there was no crowdfunding back then. Okay. There was no Kickstarter. Okay. Like he had to go grind and go find those people. Now here's the deal. He didn't ask 50 people and four and 50 people said, okay, I'll give you four. He probably asked 500. Okay. So let's talk about those 50 people that took it. Those 50 people that, did the investment. I'm assuming, I hope they're still invested in 2020. He gave 20% of that online bookstore company for $2 million at that point. 20% of the company. So it'd be great if you can get one of those people on this podcast, but I'm assuming that those that stayed in said, you know what? I understand that this is probably going to be a 30 year return on investment I'm looking at. Some people might've said, all right, I'm hoping I get my money back in four years. And maybe after four years, maybe they sold a portion of their percentage. Okay. They sold their shares or whatever, you know, you, you know, however they had the public, the company wasn't public at that point. Right. But I can tell you this in 2020, as of August of 2020, you guys want to know how much the $40,000 investment is worth it's it's worth over 295 million 
So the big question is, everybody has to look and has to ask themselves, how long am I willing to wait this out? You guys, you guys want to know the biggest reason why I think people fail in business is because they haven't even asked themselves that question. How long am I willing to wait out this, this investment, this debt? Three years, five years, 10, 20? How long are you willing to wait it out? You see, one of the things that I have really come to understand is that you have to be patiently aggressive. <laughs> like you have to be patiently aggressive or you can even say aggressively patient and you have to figure out how patient can I be with this investment that I'm putting in and you have to be honest with that answer and I think if you can answer that then you can know okay well how much am I willing if I'm only willing to wait this long to get it back how much am I willing to put in so the shorter you're willing to wait to get back the return on investment the less you should put in the longer you're willing to wait to get back the investment, the more you can put in. Here, you guys want to know a personal, a, a personal you know, situation with me? Personal situation is this. In 2017, I had a company, big company, big outpatient practice. Say to me, hey, we see what you're doing. We see that you have your company here, Renewal Rehab. We see you have... Your thing that you're doing, your Smart Success PT, by the way, Smart Success PT only had, it was not Smart Success um, Healthcare at that point. It was Smart Success PT, only had 27 clients. I had another program called Smart Success Private Practice. They had like 20 something clients as well, okay? We were not bringing in a million dollars a year in my online consulting. I just really started just getting off the ground. I had not met Joseph. I had not met you, Paul. I had not met Carl. I had met a that company was willing to give me at that point, what it was worth was willing to give me nine X our total net revenue of 2017 and was willing to give me three times our total net, re our total uh, revenue for renewal rehab. Basically it was going to be close to a 6 million buyout. If I was to come and work for the company and basically be the face of, like the spokesperson for that company because they loved my message. Now, today, 2020, just three years later, would that have been a stupid move if I took it? Yeah, but it's really stupid. You see, this is the problem, you guys. It, it's, it's when you're looking at things, how long are you willing to wait? You know? Most people just aren't willing to wait long. I don't know who said it. I don't know if it's Warren, but I don't know who said it. Tony Robbins, Bill Gates, one of them rich people said it. They said, they said, they said that they said that most people um, uh, overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate what they can do in 10, you know, and, and it's, and it's, and it's so true, you know, so true. We're just, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're just in this game of like, we just want to play ATM all day, you know, and that's just not how the game works, man. It's just not, it's not how it works. It, it really isn't. And I think that's a very dangerous game for people to get into. And I think then it starts to, you, like, you can't even stay true to your values and your core because now it's just, how can I make as money as fast as possible? You know, it took me a long time to make money quick. 
You see what I'm saying? It took me a long time to figure out how to make money fast. But everybody's trying to make money quick, quickly. And I don't know if it really works like that. So, GT. <laughs> that was powerful. I really hope the listeners take what you said and, and, and go apply it, man, because you are a perfect example of what it looks like to build from the ground up, you know, and be able to build wealth and still have time for your family, still have time to stay true to yourself and not let that be your sole identity. So let me say it's a pleasure. Uh, we greatly appreciate you coming on, man. This this was amazing. And, you know, it, it definitely means a lot to be able to bring you on this far into the game and this far into the podcast. I, I'll tell you, truth, truth be told, when we started it, we we had the idea like, yeah, we could bring GT on. And then we took a second to kind of step back and self-assess. And the conversation was, nah, let's not bring him on yet. Because we didn't want the easy way to build this. We wanted to grind and we wanted to build something that when we did bring you on, we had a plethora of people that we already brought on that are not even within the realm of GT. And have to thank you for, for that partially, you know, because we've never seen you take shortcuts. And so that's why we decided not to take a shortcut. But again, just thank you. Really appreciate you. You, are, you already know what the love is like on this side. And just for anyone who's listening, you know, and maybe they haven't, I mean, they should, but maybe they haven't uh, come into contact with you before. What would be some social media or some contact info you would want to leave with them? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much everywhere at Greg Todd, um, you know, Greg Todd PT, uh, youtube.com slash Greg Todd PT, Instagram at Greg Todd PT, Facebook, Greg Todd, um, and yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, you know, so, uh, you can go to my website, Greg Todd TV as well. So thank you guys for the support. I appreciate it. Always, always appreciate it. And for, you know what, we should have background music at this point, but for our <laughs> listeners, y'all know exactly, exactly what it is. Listen, um, y'all got to text us, please. Y'all have got to text us. Now here's, here's the thing. Some of y'all are actually texting us and you're getting the information that we're putting out there and you get in the worksheets, you get in the episodes. Some of y'all are, you know, ordering the shirts. Some of y'all just keep DMing me about how to do a lot of this stuff. And every week I tell y'all what to do. So I'm going to say it again. The number is 321-384-6275. Send us a text. If you want the shirt, I've got the black. Carl has black on right now. Um, we got the gray. We have the white. We can customize it for you. Listen, we just want to take care of you guys. 321-384-6275. Text the word shirt to get your shirt. Also, you know, text the number to get all the updates we're doing with the birch drops, with the information, the podcast drops. You get a worksheet with each episode so you can actually apply it, right? We don't want you to just listen and dip. You can actually apply it. This episode is not any different. You'll be able to take this stuff and learn it and, and utilize it to be able to grow your empire. So 321-384-6275. That's the number. See you in there. 
Yes, sir. Thank you, Paul. Also, to our listeners, please, guys, go to, if you have an iPhone, go to the podcast app on Apple. Find OTC. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us how much value you got from this episode. I know you guys got value from this episode, so please do us that favor. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to OTC University. Um, You know, teaching and providing value is what we do. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the way out. Share out the episode if you have value. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. GT, once again, thank you. And to our lovely listeners, until next time, peace. Many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.